0: Uh, post-Independence Day celebration of the 4th of July uh, on yesterday. Um, I don't know how it sounded in your neighborhood, uh, but in my neighborhood, it sounded like a a war was going on. I mean, there were so many um, fireworks going off. It seemed like we may have legalized fireworks here in Prince George's County. That's how it's been sounding like for the last week. Um, I know that uh, I think... uh, Coach Chris celebrated the birthday, as well as Steve Buka on yesterday. If your birthday was on the 4th and I didn't know it, sorry about that, but I know about those two. So happy birthday to both of you men. Um, and I hope you were able to enjoy uh, your birthday. Um, I, uh, you know, after, after the 4th, uh, the next thing I usually mentally look forward to is, um, is family reunion and you know at at in my culture a family reunion is not uh it, it's, it's not it's not done well it's not done right unless you have a little bit of frankie beverly going on and i know everybody doesn't know who frankie beverly is and that's okay but for those who do know who frankie beverly is um uh, you know one of his one of the songs that i love the icon one of the iconic songs i mean he has a few one of the ones, the one that I love so much in people dance to is um, Before I Let Go. So it starts, starts off with the bass line. Boom, 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 boom. Y'all know that? Y- I hope y'all know that. So that's, that's the one I like the most. But there's one song that Frankie Beverly has that just, I mean, the bass I mean, he, he has good bass lines, but the bass line in this song is, is tight. But the words, I've never really liked them. And I'm mentioning the words because these words are going to be in the background of this message. Well, if it's not for you, it is for me. <laughs> and that song is called Joy and Pain. All right. So it's joy and pain I like sunshine. And rain, and then that's basically like that. That's most of the song right there. If you're anything like me, when it comes to life, you love the joy, but you hate the pain. I do not like pain. I have told you over and over again, if you're a member of Solid Rock Church, that in my family, I'm the one who probably all my life, I probably had about three spankings. I know some people don't spank now, but man, when I was growing up, spanking was like dinner for a lot of kids. Not for me though. I would, not, I would do whatever I needed to do to get out of a spanking. I remember one time, I remember one time I hid the belt, which probably should have magnified what was going to happen to me. Um, but I, that wasn't the type of kid I was, so my mom did let me off. But I remember being at the top of the step when I finally got the belt, and she was like, you did whatever, whatever it was you did. You did that. You did that. You need a spanking. And I'm like, well, look, I'm, I'm, I'm spanking myself. And I guess that was so funny that she let me get away with it because I did not get a spanking in that time. But I do not like pain. But life, as Frankie Beverly sings about, it has joy and it has pain. And it is as common as sunshine and rain. And I cannot remember a more painful year, globally speaking, than 2020. If after the coronavirus, well, I'm sorry, the coronavirus is still here though, right? <laughs> the coronavirus comes, then we see, you know, the curve and we you know, starting to come down a little bit and then it's like, okay, places are reopening. But then you hear about these murder hornets that are coming. So the murder, hornet, m- murder hornets come and then you see that Ahmad Arbery, Brianna Taylor, George Floyd, all experienced, uh, all are murdered. Then you have the social unrest. Then you have the, politi- the politicization of the, the disease as well as, of course, the social unrest. And then just today I saw that, uh, yeah, I saw that in, in Florida there is a rare brain destroying amoeba that's, off the, uh, that, that's in Florida. So, nothing is easing up. It seems like things are only intensifying in terms of this being one of the most pain provoking years that I can ever remember. How does the reality of what 2020? has been. And the reality in uh, this reality that Job said, he said, man that is born of a woman has but a few days and they are full of trouble. How does that relate to my faith in God who is in control of everything? God who could in a moment take my pain away. How does 2020, and even if 2020 didn't come, as you'll hear later, my life, your life probably, most people's lives, I like the Frankie Beverly song, Joy and Pain. I like sunshine and rain. A couple of years ago, one of the high schools in our area did a a mental health survey. And they found, like many have found over the course of the last few years, that anxiety was a big issue for the students at that particular school. And they, what I like about what they were trying to do, I'm not sure whether or not they succeeded, um, but they were trying to uh, have a room where there would be a, a safe space, a place that they could go to in the midst of all that was going on in their life and even at school that they could steal away to and, 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 just, and just like let their hair down and, and, and maybe talk with someone and, and just press pause on, on the, 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 the rigors of life, kind of catch their breath, kind of take a break from all of life that was swirling around them. They wanted to create a safe place. Where is the safe place in 2020? Let's pray. Father, I come before your throne of grace and I come boldly because, not because I'm worthy to come to you with boldness, not because there's anything special about me, uh, but I'm able to come because I come through Jesus Christ, my great high priest, who has made a way, a route for me to come to you and to ask you that you would please uh, speak through me, that you would please increase. And while I decrease, I pray that you would bless your people and serve your people. I pray that you will please give me the stamina, the clarity of mind and the clarity of speech to communicate something helpful to your people. And I pray most of all that it will be accurate according to your word. And I pray that you would do this by your spirit. I pray that you will help me to linger where lingering is necessary. I pray that you will help me to even cut out things that may have been prepared uh, if they are not for this time. Lord, I pray that you would please move by your spirit, though we are not gathered together physically. Lord, I pray that you would please move through the technology that we have available to us and speak. And I pray that you would please, by your spirit, bring things to our remembrance, even after we hear. And Lord, if there's anything that said that that should not have been said, I pray that those things would not even be remembered. Lord, I pray that you would have mercy upon me for who is qualified to ever speak your word. I, I know not a man, but Lord, the, the, the preacher is not standing for himself. He's standing for you. And so I ask you, as I stated before, to increase while I decrease. In Jesus' name, amen. Proverbs 18.10 says that the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are protected. Psalm 46, 1 and 2 says, God is our refuge and strength, a helper who is always found in times of trouble. Therefore, I will, we will not be afraid, though the earth trembles and the mountains topple into the depths of the sea. And Psalm 6:9 says, the Lord has heard my plea for help. The Lord accepts my prayer. These, song, these, these passages let us know that the Lord is the safe place to which we can run. He's the safe space for us, but we cannot deny the reality. We cannot deny the reality that sometimes when there are times of trouble that we cannot recognize God along with us. We cannot recognize the presence of God. His presence seems obscure. He seems far away. He doesn't seem near. Imagine what it was like for, for, for Zachariah, the father of John the Baptist, who, who in his later age, he and his, he and his wife, conceive John the Baptist, but his prayer for his son had been prayed so long ago that he had forgotten that he had even prayed the prayer. But the angel, when he comes, the angel says that your prayer has been heard. And that's a good word for when it came, but the disappointment of Elizabeth being barren And having to walk through that is a reality that could have caused them to question, where is God in this moment? Why is God not blessing us with this child that we desire? And then I don't know if you remember Daniel. Daniel has a dream, and he's very terrified by the dream. He's 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 bothered by it. It bothers his sleep. It bothers his eating habits because he's looking for an answer from God, and he doesn't get an answer. The answer is delayed. In Daniel chapter ten, it talks about when 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 Gabriel comes to him. It talks about I'm sorry, uh, um, yeah, when Gabriel comes to him, uh, and he tells him that. Your prayers were heard. Your prayers were heard. And I've come to because of your prayers, but there was opposition for 21 days. How did Daniel respond to that? Well, um, earlier in that chapter, and this is not going to be on the screen, but early in the chapter, this is what Daniel says. He says, in those days, I, Daniel, was mourning for three full weeks. I didn't eat, did not eat any rich food. No meat or wine entered my mouth, and I did not put any oil on my body until the three weeks were over. And then he talks about how he had a vision. During those three weeks, Daniel is perplexed, he's a bit disoriented. He doesn't feel like there's a safe place. And then I don't know if you remember David when he was on the run from his son, Absalom. He has some people who have joined themselves with him. And at some point when the men were away, their camp was raided and their sons, their their, their daughters and their wives were taken. And the people were so upset with David that they were tempted to kill David, to stone him. Chapter 30, verse 6, lets us know that David found strength in the Lord his God. This is, I'll read the, that was the end of the verse. It says this at the beginning, David was was in in an extremely difficult position because the troops talked about stoning him for they were all very bitter over the loss of their sons and daughters. But David found strength in the Lord, his God. The passage in the King James, it just says that David encouraged himself in the Lord because no one was around to encourage him. Everyone was against him. If we persevere long enough, If we live for the Lord with longevity, we will encounter seasons where the presence of God seems aloof and where the joy of the Lord is a memory, not a felt experience. Because what is most obvious at those times is our need for deliverance, relief, and or change. And sometimes that doesn't come when we pray immediately. A few sermons ago, Pastor Kurt talked about, and this is one of the things that, that, that provoked this particular message. He said that he's heard from people, and I've heard it too, but not from many people who are members of the Rock, but I've heard this, but he's heard it from some of you. He's heard it from us, that prayer doesn't work. Well, I'm sorry, if prayer doesn't work, then that means God doesn't work. And I just refuse to believe that God doesn't work. However, at the same time, I understand the dynamic of praying for something, looking for the God who can change everything. The one who said, let there be light. And voila, there was light. Praying to him who is able to do those things, to change my situation. But for whatever reason... Change is delayed. Deliverance is paused. See, when these delays come, we are disoriented, confused, and we're perplexed because we know what God can do, but we don't know what he's doing. We know what he's capable of, but we don't see him using his ability the way we think he should use it. And I'm going to get get to the passage that we're going to focus on. But I I need to say this. It may have been about uh, about a month ago that I realized something about myself. I realized that i had been in a season of, of 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 this kind of experience, not where I had no hope at all, not where I did not trust God at all. But I put, I trusted God in safe ways. I trusted God in comfortable ways. I still read my Bible. I still prayed. Obviously, I still preached and things like that. But the season of which I'm talking about, where something was missing because of the, what was going on in my life was about a decade. And I just recently was able to process it in some form, only recently. Just so everyone knows, um, just, just, Because I I, I think it's, um, you know, natural for people to wonder things. But um, this season had had nothing to do with my lovely wife. (laughs) Just putting that out there wasn't anything that between the two of us, even though she too was affected by this. And I'm not sure to what degree, but the Puritans talked about a dark night of the soul. A time where you can't see God at work, where you don't feel God doing the things that you've seen him do in the past, where like the way that God used to move, it doesn't seem like he's moving that way. And for this reason, I'm going to make a confession that I hope you can still follow me as one of your pastors when I make it. Um, But I I do hope so. And if you can't, then just pray for me and pray for you as well. Okay. Okay. Um, but I want to say that as I look at my at my life, and, and, and as I look at my life, and I look at the Frankie Beverly, the philosopher Frankie Beverly statement about life that is full of joy and pain, that both of those, not just the joy, but the pain, is as common as sunshine and rain. What I see about myself is I don't like trusting God. I don't like trusting God. I don't like it. I'm not defending that. I'm just sharing with you that that's a a reality. And I would imagine that if you are one of the people who have said or if you've ever thought prayer is not working, then you don't like trusting God either. The passage that we're going to look, look at today is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. I don't have time to go through everything that, that goes into chapter 12, but I will say this about the book of 2 Corinthians, that Paul is writing this book because there are those who are questioning his uh, apostolic authority. Are, there are those who are questioning whether he is even an apostle at all. And so Paul writes this 2 Corinthians 2, defend his apostleship. And in the midst of his defense, in chapter 12, verse 8, he says this about something that he prayed about. He said, concerning this, and we'll talk about what this is at some point within the flow of the message Concerning this, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it would leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is perfected in weakness. Therefore, Paul says, I will most gladly boast all the more about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may reside in me. So, I take pleasure in weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and in difficulties for the sake of Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul said, if we extrapolate this, that there was something that he went to the Lord about over and over again. He didn't just ask God like, hey, Lord, would you, it, 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 the, 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 the picture that we get here is not that he's in his car driving. and He's just like, Lord, please take this away. The picture isn't like he's just walking along and he's just, oh, Lord, hey, could you please take this away? Uh, the picture is not that he's, you know, uh, that he's just engaging with God in a casual manner. The picture that we get here when he uses the word pleaded, it seems like he is intensely asking the Lord for something over and over again. He's appealing to God. He's entreating him earnestly. He's, 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 he's making an argument or a presentation like, Lord, you need to take this away from me. Would you please do this? And he doesn't just have an earnest, heartfelt prayer one time. He takes so much, he takes, he takes such notice of it that he knows that he went to the Lord three times. Three times, man, I went to the Lord. And I asked him this. I asked him if he would take this away. That it would, at the end of verse eight, that it would leave me. I don't know what you have gone to God for. I know what I've gone to God for and I've asked for years. Lord, would you please do this? Lord, would you please execute that. I know because I read scripture, I know that this thing that I'm asking you for is within the the, the realm of your will. In certain parts of scripture, it even says that because of your character, you want this. So Lord, if you were to do this, it would be a manifestation of your kingdom, uh, of your will being done on earth as it is in heaven. So Lord, would you please do this And this thing that I'm talking about, the Lord still hasn't done it yet. I'm not going to stop praying for it, but the Lord hasn't done I'm not going to be able to say I prayed for it three times. I'm going to be able to say that, Lord, for more than a decade, I've been praying about this. You haven't done it. I feel like you're allowing the enemy to triumph over me. I know you're able to do this, but you're not doing it, Lord. You're not doing it. Only recently have I been able to articulate that I don't like trusting that Lord. I don't. I don't. I don't like that Lord. As I may uh, uh, delve into further uh, later on in here, um, I probably felt like such a statement would be demeaning to God, disrespectful to God. But as we'll see and as we've heard before that God, God would rather I be transparent with him than not. Not because it does anything for him, but because it does something for me. So no, I don't like trusting God. You know why? Because I want my own way. Because my definition of good is give me what I want. And like I said, what I want is not like, hey, Lord, give me a mansion. It's not like, hey, Lord, you know, give me a million dollars. It's, it's not that it's something that aligns in it within the, the scope of God's will. And those are things that you've probably prayed as well with tears. Those are things that you probably pray for as well. Things like that. Um, um, I'm, I can't go into it because um, then it would be putting too much information out um, online for the whole world to see. But we all can fill in the blank, right? We all, can, we all know what it's like to hear of a medical diagnosis for a parent. We may know what it's like to hear one for ourselves. We know what it's like to lose someone who we thought, you know what, um, that was too soon or that came from out of nowhere. We know what it's like to, to, to have a car repair uh, spring up on you that's over $500 and you don't have that in your account or some of us know anyway. We know what it's like you fill in the blank with whatever your trial is where you don't like trusting God. See, there's nothing wrong with the prayer. Prayer. Paul says, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it would leave me. That's a good prayer. But it's at verse nine where the problems begin to come. Because in verse nine, what he's praying for, it starts, it gives you right off the break. The first word that is used, it lets you know, up oh, God didn't answer it the way Paul wanted him to. Because that word, but, comes. We pray, we ask for, but God has another plan. We ask God to do something that that we know is within the realm of his will. But God wants to use this situation differently than the way you want that situation to unfold. Different than the way I want that situation to unfold. I don't like trusting God because there's a but. And sometimes it's almost as if I forgot what it means to be a Christian because God is so good, because God does bless in so many ways. And this is what I mean. Jesus was very clear when he said that if anyone would come after him, that he or she is to deny themselves, take up their cross and follow him. I like the benefits of following Jesus, but I don't always like taking up my cross. I don't always like denying myself, but I have to if I want to follow Jesus, right? I have to deny myself. I have to take up my cross. So even when God doesn't answer my prayer the way that I think he should, I should remember the words of our pastor Kurt when he said when you when 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 you can't agree or trust in God's capability, trust in his character, not the that means that when you don't see God doing what he can do, then you have to trust his character that he has. He's working good in your life. Why I say good? I say good because of Romans 8, 28, which I'm sure you know that we all know that uh, God works everything together for the good, for those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. It's a fight to trust God. It's a fight to remember that. See, because my tendency is, is to, because God has blessed me in many ways, and over many, many, many years, my tendency is to turn inward. What am I doing to block God's blessing? Okay, Lord, I may see something, I may not see something. If I see something, I work on that thing, and then I'm asking God to continue to move. And I'm turning my head downward and I'm just going to keep on doing what I need to do because something must be wrong. So I try to fix what's probably wrong. But then when I fix what's probably wrong and there's something still wrong, then I have to figure out what's wrong. So then I turn my attention back inward and I look and see, okay, maybe this is what is wrong. But God doesn't want us to merely look inward. He wants us to look outward to him. And he wants us to call out to him. He doesn't want us to just put our head downward, but he wants us to look upward to him. Even when we don't like trusting him. Because the ability to do that, as we will see in one of the Psalms, is what it means To submit to him and to submit to him is what it means to be a believer in Christ. It means that, Lord, I understand that your ways aren't always my ways. Your thoughts aren't how I'm thinking all the time. And you love me enough to conform me into the image of your son. And I believe that oftentimes when we aren't getting what we want, what we think will be our blessing, God is blessing us more. That God is, is growing us from one degree of glory to the next. Why do I believe that? Because I trust in the character of God even when I don't see him utilizing the capabilities that he has. And I know that he is for me and not against me. And I do know that if he is for me, then nothing can be against me. And I do know that he is truly working all things together for my good, even when I don't agree. He's working all things together for your good, brother or sister, or brother and sister, even if You can't see the good. Even if we can't see the good, he's working good. Even if we wouldn't define it as good, he is doing good to us. Even when we can't see him. He's the one. Remember, he's not a man that he should lie. Let God be true and every man a liar, including and starting with myself. So if God says that he will never leave us nor forsake us, if he's said that over and over again to his people throughout Scripture, if that's one of the ways, if Jesus is is called Emmanuel because he's God with us, and if they went, even though Jesus went away, he and, and the Father determined that they would send the Spirit so that they would continue to be with each of us. Just because I can't see him doesn't mean that he's not with me. There are so many things that we don't see. As a matter of fact, just think about before we had technological devices, how much we did not know. We didn't know a lot. We found out things, not in the moment. We found out things days later, um, weeks later in some cases. But now we have we have devices, and I think those do a disservice to us in one respect, and that we think we can handle everything that we know, and we can't do that. We weren't made for that. We were made to trust God, and we were made to get our knowledge from him. Not saying that, I mean, I have a few devices, so I'm not saying devices are of the devil, not at all, but I'm just saying that we need to be careful that we don't, As Pastor Curt and I was talking a couple weeks ago, or maybe no, a couple weeks ago, um, in one respect, our devices can make it seem like we're a bit omniscient because we just get information so fast from everywhere, right? But yeah, I don't think we were made to handle all that information in the way that we do. And sometimes I wonder whether or not some of our anxieties spark from like we know too much, like it may be like above our pay grade in one respect to know all of that. But God is always at work on our behalf and he's always bringing his purposes to pass. And so we need to remember that his purposes are better than our own. We need to remember that we can't see everything. Even with these devices, we can't see everything. Yesterday, I was coming from somewhere and I was using the navigation in my car and, and it did not account for this accident that had happened where there were like three or four police cars with their, with their lights on and the traffic was backed up. I saw it and then I went in a different way, but even my navigation did not pick that up for me. In the same way, we don't pick up everything. And, and, and that's a reality that we just need to, to embrace and be okay with. Because if we do embrace that reality, then we'll see why, even though I don't like trusting God, we'll understand why we should trust God and we'll see how and why should we trust God? We should trust God because God is trustworthy. God is trustworthy. Paul says in verse 9 what God said to him. Yes, he said but 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 look at how he's look at what else God said to him. Look at how God how God revealed something to Paul, he said, but in verse nine, he said to me, God said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is perfected in weakness. Now, we know that grace is the influence or spirit of God operating in humans to to regenerate or strengthen them. And we know that for something to be sufficient, we know that it is it is adequate to the purpose. So God's grace is Being sufficient for us means that regardless of what the situation is, that his the sufficiency of the grace of God is always to the task. It's always uh, it's always sufficient. It's always adequate. It's always enough. It's never not enough. It's never almost enough. No, he said that his grace is sufficient for you. So wherever you are, wherever I am, the grace that God gives me for where I am is sufficient to where I am. The grace of God that is with you where you are is sufficient for where you are. So if you're in the midst of a time when you're praying for something that it seems like, you know what? I need to get out of here. And God doesn't take you out of there. His grace is sufficient. It's adequate. It's not lacking anything. You don't believe that? then look at what he said on the heels of his grace being sufficient for you. He says, okay, let's take you yourself out of the equation for a little bit. For my power is perfected in weakness. So let's not personalize it. Let's depersonalize it. God is saying that when there is weakness around, that his power is perfected in that. That's why he says that that, that, that in, in, in Romans 10, 13, that Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If we are weak, he will extend his power toward us. It may not accomplish what you want it to accomplish in terms of what your goals were, but it will accomplish what God wants it to accomplish. His power is perfected in weakness. The reason I don't like trusting God is because I don't like being weak. I want to control my world. I want order in my world. I don't want chaos. I want my routine. I want my comfort. I want to know where things are. I don't want things being imposed on me. A part of me wants to do things in my own power. I want, at times, my power to be perfected. Not God's power. But we should trust God because I don't know about you, but sometimes I don't always have the power to do the things that I want to do. Meaning I might forget something. Meaning I could, you know, some emergency could come up that I need to give myself to helping someone to solve or to solve in my own life. And my whole day has been commandeered for other purposes. I can't always bring my will to bear. There are times when I can and any leader obviously has to do that at some point, right? But you, 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 we, me, we can't always do that because again, that's not what we were made for. That's not what we were made for. We weren't made to be all-powerful. We're not all-powerful. And our power comes when we lay down our crown at his feet and submit to him. See, because in weakness like that, his power is perfected. His grace is sufficient for us, brothers and sisters. You don't like being weak, man. I don't like it either. But. God's power is perfected in weakness. I like strength. I like order. I like harmony. But I'm not God, so I can't make those happen. And even to the degree that I can make any of that happen in whatever little, whatever my world is, Sometimes my harmony is not the harmony that that God wants. The order that I have is not necessarily always the order that God wants. And I'm just at a place where I, I, I know that it's better to trust God than to trust myself. Because God is always trustworthy. Therefore, we should always trust him even when it feels like we don't like trusting him. Paul goes on to say in verse I'm sorry after he talks about after he quotes what God says, he he tells us what his conclusion is, and his conclusion is that therefore I will most gladly boast in all all the more, rather, in my weaknesses so that Christ's power may reside in me. Brothers and sisters, if we want Christ's power to reside in us, we need to do the same thing. We should learn from Paul here that we need to embrace our weakness so that Christ's power may reside in us. Verse 10. So so I take pleasure in my weaknesses. Insults, hardships, persecutions, and in difficulties for the sake of Christ. Why? For when I am weak, then I am strong. So, how do we grow in and moving in that direction, the direction that, that Paul is stating right here, how do we grow in moving ourselves in that direction where we could say not only that we know that it's a reality, but where we embrace it and not just embrace it, but where we, we can celebrate it because that's what Paul does. Paul's talking about boasting. He's talking about bragging. He's talking about, he's talking about being lit because he, he, he sees his weaknesses, but as he sees his weaknesses, he knows that the power of Christ resides in him because he's enduring his weaknesses. Now, I have to admit that Paul did know Oftentimes we don't know why we're going through something. Paul did know. He, he did know why he was going through something. So if you look at verse six, it, you know, he's, he's making this case for being an apostle. And we'll look at some of those verses quickly um, in, in just a moment. But he says, for I, I want to boast. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to be a fool because I would be telling the truth but I will spare you so that no one can credit me with something beyond what he sees in me or hears from me. So Paul doesn't want you to exalt, doesn't want the Corinthians to exalt him because of things they don't, he wants them to just take, he wants them to take himself at, at uh, on the basis of what they see his appearance, but he, but because of what's at stake here, he just goes on in a little bit he says especially because of the extraordinary revelations therefore so that i would not so he's like you know i've had revelations i could tell you about them but i'm not i'm not even going to focus on that i'm i'm going to tell you about this so that i would not exalt myself a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Here's the why. And he's already said it, but here's the why. So that I would not exalt myself. So that he wouldn't be bigged up in his mind because, oh man, I'm receiving all this revelation. Other people have no clue about this revelation. Other people, man, I don't even know why they don't even, what must they be doing wrong? No, Paul did not want to exalt himself. And he didn't exalt himself because there was a thorn in the flesh that was given to him. And this thorn in the flesh is what he asks God to take away from him. So that's the concerning this, verse 8. Concerning this, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it would leave me. So I wanted, I'm asking God to take this thorn in the flesh away from me. Our thorns in the flesh, we don't always know why they come. Paul knew why. So one could say, you know what, that's why Paul could get to the place where he was. In terms of his being able to celebrate being weak. But just look at, uh, and I I didn't include this uh, quick enough for them to post. But 2 Corinthians, look in the the chapter before, uh, chapter 11, verses 23 through 30. Paul talks about some of the things he suffered. He says, are they servants of Christ? Now, I'm talking like a madman. He's letting you know that this, this ain't right, but I, I, you're making me go there. Are they servants of Christ? I'm talking like a madman. I'm a better one with far more labors, more, many more imprisonments, far worse beatings, many times near death. Five times I've received the 40 lashes minus one from the Jews. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I received a stoning. Three times I was shipwrecked. I've spent a night and a day in the open sea. On frequent journeys I faced dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my own people, dangers from gentiles, dangers from in the city, excuse me, dangers in the wilderness, dangers at sea, and dangers among false brothers. Toil and hardship, many sleepless nights, hunger and thirst, often without food, cold and without clothing. Now, are we to think that Paul didn't pray for deliverance out from these things? I think not. I think it would be crazy to think that. that, Well, let's just say if it was me. So if it's me and I'm getting beatings, I already told you I don't like pain. I don't don't mess with pain like that. So I'm praying that whoever's beating me, Lord, give them a heart attack right now. and Let them fall down so that they can't beat me. Lord, please deliver me. However, you need to. You need to because I don't want these thirty nine lashes from the Jews. I, I don't want that. I don't want these rods that they're they're beating me with. I don't want to spend any time in the open sea the way I think Paul is talking about. I don't think Paul was talking about spending an open day, a day on the open sea with Royal Caribbean or or Carnival. That's not what he was talking about. A day and a night in the open sea, talking about a non-safe Space. Sharks could come and get, I mean, all kinds of things could come. So it's not like Paul didn't know what it was like to have to depend on God. And for deliverance in all of these areas to be necessary. He did. And we're going to learn. How, as a matter of fact, this is. This is actually where, when he chronicles these things, he transitions to the passage that we've been focusing on. He says in 29, who is weak and I am not weak? Who is made to stumble and I do not burn with indignation? If boasting is necessary, I will boast in my weaknesses. But obviously God brought him to a point where this could happen and we're going to look at how, God did that, but we're going, to, we're going to do it in just a moment. Because first, I think one of the things that Paul would have been very familiar with that I think we have to embrace is how to use the Psalms. Remember that the Psalms are the hymn book of the Israelites, and Paul, as a Pharisee of Pharisees, would have been very familiar with the Psalms. As a matter of fact, it could have been a psalm that he was singing in Acts chapter 16 when he and Silas were in the jail and it, and it opened. But if you, if you read the Psalms, you'll see that most of the Psalms are not like the worship songs that we sing. They are not... Songs that you would think you would want to sing. At least I wouldn't want to sing them. That's why I didn't want to sing Joy and Pain. I'd rather sing something much more happy. But many of the songs are of lament. They're pained. They need deliverance. And they complain to God about what's going on sometimes they asking God to give to reorient them because they're disoriented and they can't always see God at work. So in Psalm 13 is a Psalm that help will help give us a picture of, uh, of a lament and hopefully will help us to incorporate some of this in our own prayer life. Because like I said, I, and one who thought that my honesty might be an indicator of unfaith and rather, rather than faith. But the psalmist says in Psalm 13, How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? He's not speaking theologically there. He's speaking experientially. Lord, it feels like you've forgotten me. It feels like you don't see what's going on in my life because right now you're not, you're not doing anything, Lord. So it, it seems like you may be busy with other things. So he says, how long will you hide your face from me? How long will I store up anxious concerns within me? Agony in my mind every day. I can't get this off of my mind, Lord. I need some relief. But you aren't, you aren't helping me right now. How long will my enemies dominate me? Consider me, Lord. Consider me and answer, Lord, my God. See, he does not go away from God. The Lord is still his God. But he's being honest with his God. It feels like you don't see me right now. It feels like you don't, you're not with me. It, it feels like you've forgotten me. You're still my God. I have nowhere else to go. Like Peter said, where else can we go? For only you have the words of eternal life. But I remember what it's like to serve you and feel like I'm blessed. So he says, restore brightness to my eyes. Otherwise, what I'm going through right now is so heavy, I will sleep in death. And then, you know what my enemy will say? My enemy will say, and Lord, you know, this isn't right. See, because in the mind of the psalmist, the enemy does not serve God. So if the enemy is able to say that he's triumphed over one of God's people, then in those days, it would seem to be a triumph of one God over another. That's why in, in the Exodus narrative, God's plagues attacks all of the gods of Egypt and overcomes them. My enemy will say, I have triumphed over him and my foes will rejoice because I am shaken Lord, I've been representing you. If I go down, it will be a reflection of you. As a matter of fact, remember, and for anyone who would be like, "Oh man, that's not," remember what Moses said to God when God wanted to wipe out the Israelites. He reminded God that if he did that, then you know what they'll say. They'll say you just bought them out, and you couldn't, you couldn't, you couldn't deliver your people. So, so the 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 the, the in laments. We remind God of things. That's why it's always good to, to when, you, when we pray to incorporate the word of God in our prayers as well. So we, 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 we're honest with God. We tell him how we, how we feel. We, we affirm our, our allegiance to him because that, I mean, if you didn't have allegiance, you wouldn't be praying in the first place, Right? So one of the first things we do to learn from Paul and one of the first things we learn from the Psalms is that we keep praying. We don't say it doesn't work. No, it's not working for for your purposes, but there's a higher purpose than yours. There's a higher purpose than mine. God is doing much more than I can ask, think, or imagine. And if that's true, then I need to trust him. And if I trust him, then I will pray to him and I will be transparent. I will be honest, even though the honesty may not look good if somebody else were overhearing that prayer. The word of God incorporated in our prayer is something that should be a characteristic of our prayer. And then he says, verse five, but I have trusted in your faithful love. My heart will rejoice in your deliverance. I will sing to the Lord because he has treated me generously. So the psalmist is able to praise God without ignoring his circumstances. Sometimes we go right to the praise of God and ignore the circumstances. To be the emotionally healthy Christian or a biblical, forget that. To be biblical, to be a psalmic believer is to bring it all to God. Our fears, our pains, and our faith. Because God is bigger than them all. So we should look at at the Psalms as an example on how we should pray and engage God during these kinds of seasons because as I mentioned, even the act of coming to God and approaching him is an act of submission and allegiance and worship of God. So what, what, what I appreciate is that The psalmist does not focus on his current context and his current circumstance in a way that just leaves him only mindful of his current context or his current circumstance. He's able to have trust in God. He's able to rejoice in God. He's able to sing. So he doesn't get bogged down by just expressing, you know, what he wants, but he doesn't just get bogged down by telling God God off. That's not where he stays. He's honest and somewhere in the midst of his honesty and his remembrance that it's his God he's coming to, God does a work in his heart. To remind him. Hey, you know, you trust God. God has delivered you before. So you can rejoice in his deliverance. God put a melody in your heart, a a song. So you, you will sing to him. You'll sing to him because he's been generous. And because he has been generous, he definitely will be again. So. He engages with his current circumstance, but he's able to move on to things that are of a more ultimate nature. And that's something that Paul, even though it's not in the passage that we focused on, that's something that Paul did as well. So we're going to look at, as we begin to close, we're going to look at what Paul did. Look at what Paul said in Romans 8, 18. What a great Passage, both of these passages about Paul are going to be great. He says, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time, this present time. There's more, friend, there's more time to come. Whatever season we're in right now, there is more time to come. This isn't it. Even if we transition into eternity, this isn't it? And what we will experience in eternity is what Paul is talking about here, where he says, "For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is going to be revealed to us. So that which we are, which is to us right now, what that's not even going it's not even going to be worth comparing. Man, I'm sorry, I cannot remember the name of this car. But in my D group, we were talking about different things. And somebody mentioned a car. And I said, oh, man, I never heard of that car. They sent me a link to look at the car. And it was like on a level. I mean, it was better than the Ferrari. It was on that level. So, like, let's use Ferrari because I know, I, I know the name. Okay, Ferrari or Porsche, something like that. This is, this is going to show my age. But for people who, who are a little, you know, my age and young and older, Remember, uh, remember the Pinto? So if you remember the Pinto, there's no way that you would compare a Pinto to a Ferrari. They don't even belong in the same driveway at all. That dealership, they're not gonna have any, the Ferrari dealership will not have any pentos. Why? Because pentos is not even worth their time. Paul is saying that whatever we're suffering right now in this present time, it's not even worth comparing to what will be in the end. What's gonna be revealed to us, that glory, is is, man, it's not even, this ain't nothing. Paul would go on to say in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 and 17, therefore we do not give up. Listen to this. Even though our outer person is being destroyed, our inner person is being renewed day by day. Let's look at this. For our momentary light affliction. Look at those two adjectives. Momentary and light. The same Paul who would later go on in and, and that list of things that he suffered that I read, he would go on and say that. And I'm sure those things had to be in his mind as he penned these words that our momentary light affliction is producing in us an absolutely incomparable, eternal weight of glory. That's one of the reasons why we should trust God. He's doing much more than we can that, that much more than it can even fit in these little puny minds that we have. That's what God is doing. He's working. And Paul is saying this. He's saying this knowing all of the things that he chronicled. Uh, this happened. That happened. This, uh, light and momentary. But Paul, obviously, he's a, he's a good brother and we should learn from him. Um, we should follow uh, him as he followed Christ in terms of what we read in, this, in, in, the, in the word. But obviously, Jesus Christ himself is our example. And Hebrews 12, two tells us to keep our eyes on Jesus. He's the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. Look at this. For the joy that lay before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So Jesus himself, though there was joy in his in, in, in his purview, he embraced and endured the cross. Now, we, heard, we hear the words that were said on the cross, but I, 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 my mind went to when he was in the garden. And you can see that he's so anxious and he's in agony. And he even prayed the way that Paul prayed about this thorn in his flesh and the way some of us pray about situations that we are in right now. Just think about if Christ who said that he could call down legions of angels to help him. Just think if he'd done that. Where would we be right now? And where would he be? That's probably too deep of a question. (laughs) But where will we be? The one who said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Embraced being forsaken and trusted the character of his father, even though he was not executing the capability to deliver him. He did this so that, as Hebrews would say, that there would be many sons of salvation. We can't even fathom what it would have been like if he called down those legions. Thank God we cannot fathom it. Instead, he did endure the cross And more than the cross, and entailed in the cross, was his, for the first time ever, being in some mysterious way forsaken by his God and Father. Scripture tells us to keep our eyes on him. What did he do when? He felt the weight of sin on him. Bearing down, running after him, chasing him. He goes and he prays. He tries to get his friends to pray with him, but they're too tired. Friends, let us not stop praying. And let us include other people as we pray. And let us, even when we do not understand, let us remember the character of God. And the wisdom of God, which is far his foolishness, is wiser than our wisdom. If we would trust him, we must work through that which we don't like. And we must remind ourselves of why we should trust God that his grace is sufficient, that his power is made perfect in weakness. We must, should, will be helpful if we use the Psalms and prayed prayers of lament and honest prayers to God. And we should also remember not just the current context, not just the current situation, circumstance, but what is our ultimate hope and destination. We must remember those things so that we're working from what that which is ultimate and we're bringing that to bear on that which is immediate. And we are pressing in to do that, which we know we ought to do, and that is to trust God even when we don't like it, even when it seems like our prayers aren't working. We need to remember that if God is always at work in some pop, unknown way to us, some mysterious way, he's answering our prayer. He's moving. Maybe not in the direction that we want him to move, but he's working something in us that causes us to trust him more and more. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. I ask you that you would please uh, use it. Some of these things that I've said in our lives, I pray that you would help us to trust you even if we don't like it, and to press in all the more, especially when we don't like it. Lord, who know the first half of this year has been unlike any other. I pray that you would please bless those who are going through all kinds of trials in our midst because there are many. And Lord, you know that I didn't give, use them as examples because I just didn't want to accidentally divulge anything. Uh, but Lord, you see everything. And I pray that you will please be with Solid Rock Church. Help us to persevere to the end. Help us to trust you, even when we don't like what's going on. Lord, help us to glorify you help us to glorify you even in our dislike in Jesus name amen
1: amen please text your questions into the Q&A number that's listed at the bottom of the screen first question I have is when does your mixtape come out somebody would like to know after hearing you sing that beautiful uh, joy and pain song,
0: ah, uh, okay. Um, <clears throat> I'll start working on that this week. Yeah, I'll take okay. that as encouragement to work on it. You know, get, get.
1: get uh, you hear that? That'll that'll be um, being worked on this week. Hopefully, we'll have that by the end of 2020. That'll be the hottest mixtape dropping.
0: Have something good happen in 2020. Huh?
1: Yes. <laughs> Some rejoicing. Second question I have. Can you speak to boasting and weakness from today's passage in playing the victim or being prideful in sin patterns? This person is concerned when believers say, make statements, um, well, that's just how i made or that's just what the Lord has. Um they want the person to know um, that there's more possibly available and better outcomes through prayer, and to not just sit in the weakness and accept the pain, mm. but asking for relief through prayer.
0: Yeah, um, thank you um, for that question. Yeah. um You know, Paul was not his thorn in the flesh wasn't a sin habit of his, right? It wasn't it wasn't a sin habit of his that he was <clears throat> rejoicing in. Um, he's rejoicing more in his lack of you know, the kind of strength that people would look to and say, oh yeah, that dude is strong. Uh, Meaning like, he doesn't have a lot of political power. He doesn't have money. He doesn't have, you know, things to make people do anything. All he has is, all he has is God's word. So I think when it comes to us and our, um, our, especially if we're talking about sin and how we're made and being just comfortable, like too comfortable in the skin that we're in, I think we need to remember that God uh, tells us after, you know, the book of Romans, it has, you know, a lot of theological, a lot of theology, you know, from chapters one, uh, you know, to 11. But then in chapter 12, it encourages us that uh, we're not to be conformed to the world, this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. So I think it I, I think it's it's even it's it can even be a worldly um, a worldly comfort to be too comfortable in your own skin and, and not the skin, not like I'm, I'm not talking about my being black or white or, um, but I'm talking about if it's, if your personality is prone, if you're prone to certain, you know, sins because of your personality or this, that, 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 does, if it does not please God, then we need to allow the word of God, which is how we renew our minds, right? We need to allow the word of God to be applied in our lives. Jesus died not to keep us the same, but to change us. So being transformed is part of what, what it means. Um, my first inc- inclination as a human being now at this stage in my life, because I've been walking with the Lord, is not to respond to somebody by like, you know, punching them because they did something wrong. But there was a time when I would have be, been like, what I thought, you know, should be done. So um, obviously that was before Christ. Um, The transformation that should be happening as second Corinthians three talks about, it's like from one degree of glory to the next. So there should be, I believe there should be a striving to change along the way more and more, you know, not like I've over. So I've been serving the Lord for over well over. Let's see. um, Yeah. Well over 30 years. Right. So. Um, I have tried to know that like in five years, I'm going to be different than I am now. And so growth is an expectation because it's going to happen if I remain in my word, I believe, if I apply the word, if I obey the word, um, there'll be times when there are slip ups, trip ups and we, we understand that. But if the, as, as Kurt says, it's not perfection that we're striving for It's it's striving for a direction. And if you keep striving for that direction, you'll move further along. You know how they say, you know, aim for the moon and you hit the stars or whatever. However, they say that if you're aiming for growth, growth is probably going to happen. But the moment you say I'm good. You should rethink what you just said, because you're probably not not good. So I think uh, Romans uh, 12, one and two Ephesians seven uh i'm sorry 4 17 and on um uh those kinds of passages let let us know that we shouldn't stay the same but that we should be conformed the ephesians passage says into the image of his son list some things that we shouldn't do we should be growing though we shouldn't be comfortable i don't think we should even be comfortable with the amount of transformation we've experienced so far i believe that since we're growing from one degree of glory to the next we're being transformed in that way that there should always be consistently be a an element of dissatisfaction and a striving for growth. So I think, and if that person uh, needs more passages, they can text me 301. Up, oh, we the whole world is seeing it. So if they're a member, they can text me or email me, and I can send them more passages. But just those two passages, and there are others that just talk about how we should be transformed and should not be just satisfied with who we are how we are because Jesus came to transform us and gave us the spirit so that we can do we can access that transformation
1: thank you to avoid the incapacitating regular and ongoing heartache of unanswered prayers there are long-standing desires that I've stopped praying about is this wisdom or folly
0: Without knowing what those are. Um, so, like, let's say, like, if, obviously, if it's, if anything was sinful, that, yeah, stop that. Um, if it's not possible, will be another thing. So, if um, you wanted to, this person wanted to marry someone who was single at one time, along with you, but is married. Now, okay, yes, you should stop praying that. That's folly to pray that prayer. Um, But I think, um, you know, I would have to talk to the person and find out some things to really be able to answer that question in a comfortable way um, for myself. So it it could be folly is how I I will answer that. Um, But, you know, I think if it's, you know, we started off early on talking about Zachariah or reading the passage, where Zachariah learned that he was going to have a son named John. Obviously, he had stopped praying for that prayer, but the passage, the the angel said, "Hey, your prayer has been heard." <laughs> right. So, so he so he had stopped praying for that a long time ago, right? Um, so I think, um, you know, I I, I I think if you If you have faith to pray, like you should pray, definitely pray. But like praying for those things, that's a very specific type question. So in terms of what what it would be applied to. So I couldn't say like, hey, pray for those things. Um, I couldn't in integrity say that. But I I can only say, which may bring a little bit more, more questions than answers. Um, I can only say that, you know, yeah, if it's not sin, obviously, um, if it's sin, like, forget that. If it's. Not sin and obviously you can pray for it if it's something that's possible, still re- pray for that um, I also don't think that if if something is God's will for your life um, that you can like if you stop praying like that it's not going to happen like God just like with Zachariah, like they, they ended up having a son it was miraculous, but it, they still ended up with the son so Um, I think it's a matter of like, can you do it in faith? Right. So that which isn't of faith is sin. So if you're if you're able to pray in faith, continue on. If you're not.
1: Don't. Don't keep praying for it. How can we know we're not trusting the Lord when we struggle with what he allows to happen? Well, I think you, you can. Signs might be that you stop,
0: that you stop praying to God, that you disengage, that you act like God doesn't exist. Um, any way, if in any way your actions start acting like, start showing that you're acting as if God doesn't exist, you're not praying, you're not reading your Bible, you're, uh, you know, obviously now you don't have to come to church, right? But remember, next week people will be in here. Um, but um, you you're not conscious of them, or if you are, you, you've already have it made up in your mind what God's going to do. Oh, God won't do that, or he's not going to do that for me, or he's not, he, doesn't, he doesn't want to bless me. So I think those are, are signs that we don't trust God is when we start thinking and acting in those ways, ignoring him, not praying to him, not reading his word, um, and things like that, things that we know to do and don't do.
1: I think you kind of already answered these questions um but how do you stay faithful through these times of hardships without sinning against yourself and other people and does suffering ever end
0: i'm sorry could you read read that again i'm the last part of it Does
1: suffering ever end or how do you how do you stay faithful through these times without sinning against yourself and other people
0: so that part, and then you said, and they, they said, and it's suffering. Another ever
1: question ends. is, does suffering ever end? That they, this is one person.
0: Okay. So it's two questions. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. So how do you let us you don't have to read the first one again, but not right now. So does suffering ever end? Yes. I can definitively say suffering will end for believers in Christ, right? I can say that because in the book of Revelation, it lets us know that, you know, God is going to wipe every tear from our eyes. He's going to that there's not going to be sin. There's not going to be suffering. Um, there's not even going to be a need for um, for the, the sun or the moon because God himself will be our light. So. So, yes, those um, those that suffering No, it's not going to be in 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 heaven with us. It's not going to be. With us when when God consummates everything, um, it's not it's not going to be so. Yes, suffering ends. Does suffering end here on earth? No. There's always going to be an element of suffering here on earth. Even if we are experiencing things that are good, we may not experiencing experience suffering like everyone else. But there's there's an element of, of suffering. I mean, even just like you know if i when i think about aging um the alternative to the body wearing down is like death like okay that's the only way the body won't wear down unless you know yeah so um so when i have these random pains i mean th- that doesn't feel like a lot of suffering to me but like there's an element of suffering to that that's not going to be in heaven at all so yeah that that there's suffering here but there's not going to be suffering um in the end, um, meaning in eternity. And the first question was, how do we, um, not sin against others and ourselves? Um, yeah, I think anytime we're trying to overcome sin, uh, it is it, probably, um, it, it's probably helpful for us to do this. This is something that I've done that I found very helpful. I've shared it before. Um, if I see an area of sin that I need to go after, then in addition to my like my normal Bible reading, um, if I see a passage that speaks to that sin. So if that sin is is anger, if I see a passage that has to do with anger, um, usually I, w- I, I used to write it down on a pad. Now I write it down on a three by five card so that I can look at those whenever I supplementally need To be reminded that um, that the the, the wrath of a human being does not work the righteousness that God requires. So I need to, that needs to become part of my functioning mindset. I need to take off my anger and I need to remember like God's righteousness is what I'm supposed to be about. So I need to confront myself with that truth. And so I think definitely Bible, not, not just Bible reading, but strategic and specific precise Bible reading for like whatever it is you're trying to overcome. If you're sinning against yourself, which I'm not exactly sure I know what that, that means. In one respect, I guess all sin is, is can be against yourself. Um, <clears throat> um, then, you know, you ha- definitely have to have to do the same thing. You're, you're bringing God's word to bear on your mind. So, again, you're renewing. Your mind. You're saying God's definition is a few things. You're saying God's definition of good is the one I'm embracing. I'm embracing God's thoughts, not my own thought. So, to the degree that there's any any pleasure I get from this, let me remember what it says. And I think it's first Peter two eleven. It talks about uh, uh, abstaining from fleshly lusts, which war against the soul. So, thinking that the if you think about fleshly lusts. They're natural, right? We're we're in the flesh, right? So fleshly lusts, fleshly desires. They war against my soul. So abstaining from that makes sense, right? So it's like trying to allow the word to shape me. So the Psalms 119 says, how can a young man cleanse his way? And it says by taking heed according to the word of God. And then pray and then ask people who are, um, you know, close with you, Tell them what you're trying to do and ask them to let you know if you know, hey, man, if you see me have an outburst of anger, if it seems like I'm angry, even if it's not an outburst, can you just let me know? And can you be praying for me? Because I'm trying to go after that sin right now.
1: Gotcha. You You mentioned um, lament and it's biblical, obviously. What does um, lament look? Does lament only look like? prayer towards the lord obviously we know sometimes during grief and seasons of lament there might be some other things coupled with that that makes just doing action a little bit harder in that season is there a time frame Mm. that we should give ourselves to lament certain things Mm. during those seasons
0: well i think uh one natural time frame would be until we see like change come um that it's <laughs> like let, let's use Corona as an example of like you know a, a lamentable situation. you know I've talked with people, and even I myself, my prayers have changed, so the 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 immediacy of it and the unknown of it, you know there was there was a certain way I was praying and interacting with that reality that is different than the way I'm dealing with it now, the way I'm praying through it now. Um, but in one respect, I don't think that it should be different because nothing's really changed. Right? But then like that level, I'm not sure how sustainable that level is, especially since other things have happened, right? That have like screamed for attention and there are things happening within our country that like, if you, I mean, there would be I think it would be irresponsible to not be aware of what's going on. And that's adding on more. That's that's adding on more to lament about. Um, so um, I understand that there, there can't always be like a sustained, the same type of intensity. But I do think that um, we should recognize that, wow, you know, this lamentable thing hasn't gone anywhere. Like it's still here. And that should inform our prayers. And maybe that should inform like, you know, uh Some fasting, maybe that should inform not just food fasting, but some other types of fast and some increased prayer and cup- you know uh, a group uh prayer right um so I think you know the the I would think surely for as long as the lamentable situation is in play um but then if that's not if you can't do it the whole time, then maybe you set seasons one of the things that I've learned. Just from, because our community is so diverse. Um, I've gone places and I've seen, <clears throat> um, I've seen the, uh, the, the uh, people who are Islamic, they come together at a particular time and they might go like be in some parking lot or something and they'll pray. And they'll, it's not that they pray real long, but like they pray, like they pray together. I think, after seeing them, I, I'm like, wow, you know, they, they're pretty consistent. Like they're able to pray those five times a day, probably because they, like, they set times. So I would say, um, you know, however you're engaging with lament, lament lamenting, that um, maybe you set, you know, some times to do specific actions that you have in mind, so that you're faithful to do what you spiritually feel you need to do um, to ask for god and you know to express yourself and ask for god to change this particular situation